Welcome to Viewpoint, a TD Securities podcast. Listen in as we draw perspectives from a variety of thought leaders on key themes influencing markets, industries, and the global economy today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of Viewpoint, a TD Securities podcast. My name is Amy Van Arnhem, and I will be your host for today's episode. I'm joined by my colleague, Sam Damiani. Sam is a top-ranked analyst in real estate who's been with TD Securities since 2000. Can you believe that? With real estate remaining a trending hot topic, we are joined by Sam to speak to some of the key themes and trends in the real estate sector. Sam, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure, Amy. Thank you for having me. So Sam, maybe to start off with, could you tell the listeners sort of what your coverage universe is across the real estate sector And what are some of the key factors that you would consider when looking at an investment in the real estate sector from a public markets perspective? My team and I cover about three dozen REITs, uh, mostly REITs. Some of them are are corporations in the real estate space. And the unique thing about the REIT space is they do offer high cash dividend yields. So within the overall TSX, you are getting a relatively high cash yield today, which is attractive. The other thing about REITs is it's a specific type of investment vehicle that offers a pass-through benefits from a tax perspective. So for individual investors that might be at a high you know, tax rate personally, uh, or even some, obviously some of our institutional clients, there are advantages of owning REITs similar to way, the way an private investor would own the real estate, you get certain tax deductions. So those cash distributions, uh, many of them offer enhanced tax advantages. Uh, So the less portion of the uh, distribution is actually taxed. So that's a unique thing about the REIT space uh, compared to many other sort of income-oriented sectors of the TSX. You know, when we look at the, our coverage today, it's a real kind of a crazy time because there's a dichotomy. There's three sectors, which are shopping centers, apartments, and industrial warehouse real estate. So those three sectors actually represent 80% of our coverage universe, 80% of the REIT index. And those three sectors are today are enjoying the strongest leasing fundamentals in 10, 20, even 30 years. I just ha- met with one of the CEOs of, of a shopping center read earlier this week, and he said, this is the best leasing in our shopping centers that I've seen in over 30 years. So, so it, this is a really strong time in terms of demand for space. The other thing about the, the sector is that it's a, it's a liquid way for investors to access this type of an asset class. Traditionally, you know, income producing real estate has been the purview of wealthy families or just pension funds, life insurance companies, and, and the like. The REIT structure was basically created about 25, 30 years ago to enable public market investors to access that type of an asset class in the, in the same way that, you know, an institutional investor would. So, um, it's a unique uh, and we think an attractive way for, for many investors. Today, as I say, they are trading at excessive discounts. We have the average NAV discount today, NEV, net asset value discount, at about 25%. And that's near an historic high. And the reason for that, one of the main reasons for that, is the high interest rate environment we're in today. Individual investors are able today, thanks to the inverted yield curve, to get a 5%-ish yield on their GICs. We haven't seen that in, I don't know how many years, but a long time. That has made the yield uh, appeal of, uh, of the REIT sector, you know, less attractive. Uh, so it's more competitive. So that has pulled a lot of funds out of the REIT sector, caused a lot of investors to, to sell down the REIT exposure, pushing that money into other things like GICs. As a matter of fact, 
we track one uh, measure of GIC fund flows. Uh, the Bank of Canada published this, and the uh, total amount of in money invested in term deposits, which includes GICs, is up by $200 billion over the last sort of 14 months. Uh, and you can just imagine any small portion of that that would have come out of the REIT sector is, would have a sizable impact on valuation. And that's that's what we're seeing across, I think, uh, the REIT sector and some other yield-oriented uh, sectors on the TSX. That is a challenge. But what we do say to investors today, yes, that is an unfortunate situation. But across our coverage universe, because of the depressed valuations, you're actually getting a 5% or higher yield on about two-thirds of our coverage universe today. So you're getting a comparable or better yield than a GIC with the added benefit of potentially participating in some valuation upside, hopefully, you know, in the near term, but who knows when. <laughs> well, I mean, I can see how that would definitely be challenging to wrap your mind around because with that growth also is obviously it's risk, right? So it's not. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So it could go down too. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just has. <laughs> We're down a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's a really uh, great overview. Um, of all the things you're considering today. And I think what I wanted to do was just dive a little bit into each of the sectors that you've talked about and and really um, understand some of the key trends that we're starting to see. To start off with, I think some a topic near and dear, you know, every client I go in and see, we're always talking about, you know, return to office, mm-hmm. work from home, hybrid, you know, how many days a week are you in? You know, have companies been able to sort of sell some real estate or maybe not renew leases? So maybe we can start there and talk a little bit about the office sector. What have you seen in the trends and, and what you're observing? And what do you think the future is for the office REIT sector? You know, this return to office and remote working thing has obviously lasted a lot longer than than many people expect. It's certainly a lot longer than we anticipated three years ago. It is improving. The challenges the office property sectors is is facing, you know, it's well known and well documented and it's been a challenge. That being said, there are some improving trends going on. The actual sort of physical census of people in the downtown cores has been steadily increasing generally across the board, including here in Toronto. Today, Toronto is averaging about 50% of pre-pandemic sort of census population, let's say census occupancy in the downtown core. And that's that's up nicely year to date. I think, I can't remember what started the year, around 35% maybe. But it is, it has been steadily improving. And the other thing that's happening is that nobody started construction of a new office building in the last three years. Anything that was under construction obviously is being finished and, and whatnot. But the pace of new supply is quickly dropping off a cliff. So the demand supply imbalance has been way out of whack the last three years, but it's getting better. We're getting way slower supply growth. The deliveries are slowing to a trickle. Uh, It usually takes about three years, sometimes four, to build a new office building. The other thing that's happening is with the economic uncertainty, the job market may be a little less certain today for, for some people. When, you know, a manager of a department says, I need you guys in three days a week, I think employees are probably more likely to abide by that request today than they might have been a year ago. And so I think that will help the stats that we've been seeing further accelerate in the months ahead. And have you seen some of the REITs repurpose office property into residential, into some of the other areas where we might see a bit more demand? It is starting to happen. Uh, it's it's not going to be a big thing. It's gotten a lot of attention over the last few months. The city of Calgary is actually uh, subsidizing those types of conversions to the tune of $70, $75 a square foot, which is significant. 
And so there's been a, several successful conversions either completed or underway in the downtown core of Calgary. We haven't seen Toronto do that as of yet, but there's very specific attributes of a building that, that work for a residential conversion. So we don't see that as being a major trend under, you know, that's going to sort of move the needle in a, in a big way. Maybe moving on, I mean, going back to the comment you made earlier around shopping centers, I really wanted to ask you how the growth in e-commerce and then just other trends that we've seen in commerce in general have impacted the shopping center REITs and and, and the industrial REITs for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, talking a little bit more about that and what you've seen and, and what you think the future the future looks like. Canada is fortunate to be having very strong population growth. That's well, I think, publicized and documented. The benefit there is the retail square footage per capita is going down. So there's a demand supply evolution that's garnering more favor to the owners of the shopping centers. Matter of fact, we did a a quick calculation over the last five years, the population of Canada has grown at two and a half times the pace of the growth in retail space. So you've got more people shopping at less space, basically. And that helps the retailers make, you know, their space more productive. And incentivizes them to want to maybe add stores. You know, Dollarama, they're opening stores across the street from each other because there's such great demand for what, they, what they're selling and, and a lack of competition because of a lack of available retail space for other retailers to occupy. So where they can grab that location, they're jumping at it and in many cases paying up. So that is a really interesting dynamic. The other thing that happened was the retail tenant base of a shopping center, a typical shopping center, is arguably the healthiest it's been in about, you know, 10 plus years. You think back, you know, 2015 or whatever year it was, or 2012, I guess, Zellers shut down. Target announced they were going to buy like 125 locations. They came into Canada, tried to open up all these stores all at once, and 18 months later, they were all closed. Whatever happened, it didn't work for Target. You know, a couple of years later, Sears Canada shuts all their stores. HBC has been shutting, uh, you know, a, a, a few of their stores recently. every year. Yeah, Nordstrom, yeah. which is, was a bigger shocker. So what we've seen is, you know, the department store model is less relevant for consumers. But the good news is we have far fewer department stores today than we have ever had. So we've gone through that washout. And today, HBC is really the last one standing of, uh, in the traditional department store um, sector. So that headwind is probably behind us. We have washed out the weakest retailers, both through, you know, the department store turnover earlier in, you know, in the last 10 years, but also at the beginning of COVID in 2020, with the shutdowns, even with the government support, a lot of retailers and businesses just couldn't make it. And so you basically in 2020, you had such an elevated amount of retail failures, bankruptcies, store count reductions, basically brought forward, I would say, three to four years of store closures in the retail space. And so in the last two years, people have gone back to in-person shopping. The retailers have realized that they need a mix of the physical and digital presence to maximize their customer acquisition and retention. They need the space. As I just discussed, there was there's less space available per capita. And so there's been a race to, you know, re-engage with the consumer at the physical store level. At the same time, the turnover is far, far less than it's been. So we've seen a, like a, just a rebound in occupancy over the last sort of 24, 36 months in an almost an unprecedented pace. 
And so here we are today. Yes, we're going into some sort of economic slowdown, everyone will tell you. But uh, our view is, is that within the shopping center space, it will be able to weather this economic slowdown that's coming in a better way than it has, you know, in my memory. And then maybe touch on a little bit about the e-commerce side. So you did mention it, that there is that right mix of physical versus e-commerce. But, you know, when you think about how much the population in Canada has grown versus the actual physical presence of retail, how has the e-commerce space sort of worked its way into satisfying some of that additional population? And then what do we see from an industrial REIT perspective where you've got your, your distribution centers and other sort of key. Yeah. Like e-commerce, I got to be clear. I mean, that's still a growth area and it is eating away at retail sales growth for sure. But the pace of that from the, you know, numbers I see, it's really basically in line with in line, maybe slightly faster than overall retail sales growth. So it's no longer eating the pie, eating the share of the pie that the physical stores really had in a noticeable way. E-commerce was, you know, accelerating going into the pandemic. And then of course it spiked. Yeah in 2020, it actually came off significantly as stores reopened, as you, as you could imagine. And it's, it's sort of, it's at a level where I'd say there's a, there's an equilibrium and it's, and it's back to its growth mode again. Again, these retailers, the ones that were created online, they're opening up stores for the first time and they have been for the last couple of years. So it's still a growth sector on the shopping center side both the retailers and the landlords have learned what the reality is, what works, and it's no longer a major challenge for the shopping center sector. For the industrial warehouse sector, of course, has been a huge boon for demand heading into the pandemic and that accelerated into the pandemic. But then the demand for space has evolved at additional uh, support from uh, supply chain resilience, uh, reshoring of manufacturing and distribution, all this kind of stuff is, has really strengthened the demand for industrial warehouse logistics space within North America or with within, you know, whatever home country your business is. So today we've seen the vacancy rates plummet at a record pace over the last five years. The industrial warehouse development industry, the municipalities clearly have not been able to meet the demand growth that was there over the last five plus years. That's why the vacancy rates have plummeted and they've plummeted basically to unsustainably low levels. So there's still pent up demand that hasn't been met. And so what that has resulted in is, you know, a wall of demand that's still there, even with a slowing economy, we don't think the vacancy rates are set to go back to anything that worrisome in the, in the industrial space. Uh, we're confident in, in, the, in the rent growth, uh, and we're seeing it this year, despite the inflation and, and, and everything else. Uh, rents have grown, you know, despite the uh, higher interest rates, which have increased costs for businesses as well, the rents have continued to grow. It is, a, uh, in my mind, a uniquely attractive sector within the property business, offering very attractive risk-adjusted returns for investors and, and continues to do so today. Wow. So, so much to talk about. <laughs> um, I think the last sort of area I wanted to, to, to talk to you about or to focus in on is, is, is housing. Mm -hmm. Housing is a huge hot topic right now, especially with interest rates hitting recent highs. How have you observed the behavior of renters in the apartment segment? And are there other key trends that you're sort of watching to get an indication of what the future holds? 
Absolutely. So housing, obviously a critical thing for, for the, for society. What we've seen is with our population growth and the growth in foreign students, the demand for rental housing has been very, very strong. And uh, similar to what we've seen in the industrial space, there has been an inability um, on the development industry to, to meet that demand. And so vacancy rates, which were already low going into the pandemic, have stayed low and gotten a little lower. But what's really changed is the rent. We're starting to see anecdotes of three people in a two-bedroom apartment, four people in a three-bedroom apartment, for example, uh, because there's just very little available. So the rents have really, really spiked. It's caused turnover to slow to a trickle. Like if 15 years ago in Toronto, you might have seen 25% turnover in a typical apartment building. Today, it's like 10, 12%. So people are staying in their units because as you know, the rent control environment in the city of Toronto for, for older buildings anyways, is that uh, the rent uh, can't be increased more than the guideline. And that is capped at two and a half percent. So if you have a rent today that you signed, you know, at least signed maybe five years ago, it's an asset and you're reluctant to move. And that's actually, it's actually a problem for the economy because if, if the talent can't relocate to where the jobs are, that hurts the, the country's, the economy's productivity. You know, it's been a, a, a bubbling issue in the recent, in recent years. I think now, and as we've seen, you know, earlier this month with the federal government's offering a rebate of GST and some provinces in turn offering a rebate of the PST for the total HST on the construction of new apartment buildings, that's the government's showing that they actually need to do something on this file, the housing file. So we're now, I think, hopefully on the cusp of an increased amount of development to meet the demand that's there as a result of our strong immigration and foreign student growth. So it's a market that, you know, we'd almost characterize as unhealthy. I would even call it a broken market because people can't afford the space, can't afford to rent the, the, the units that are there and the developers can't afford to build new units. So that's kind of a broken market. But we're seeing signs now of uh, ways to fix it and governments getting involved in ways to, uh, you know, to make, uh, to enable those repairs to, to happen. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming in today. I think the reason the REIT sector is so interesting and why you probably have been doing it for as long as you've been doing it is that you really are looking at multiple sectors and really trying to get a feel for what's happening around the economy. And thanks for coming in and joining us today. And and talking about the sector. It's my pleasure, Amy. Thank you so much. And it's really appreciate the opportunity. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Viewpoint, a TD Securities podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast platform. For more thought leadership content, visit tdsecurities.com and follow us on LinkedIn for all the latest TD Securities updates. For relevant disclaimers to this podcast, please refer to the Viewpoint episode page on our website.